Take your coat off, pull up a chair, and welcome to Three is the Magic Number, the podcast that invites a guest on every week to talk about their top three favourite things. I am your host, Renfrey Deadman. Hello. And joining me, as ever, for this descent into the world of favouritism is Mr. Matthew Hughes. Matt, how are you today? Hi, I'm good. Choo choo choo! I'm already <laughs> riding the Chattanooga choo choo. Right down your ear pods, people. Crikey. Mm-hmm. I'm partly pausing for the motor that's going past, but also pausing just to take all of that in. Suck it Lovely in. stuff. Suck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Let it it's, bathe. It's, it's... Let it wash over you like a gentle breeze. <laughs> Love. Mm. How are you? Yes. How are you doing, man? Yes, I'm very well. Thank you very much, Renfrey. <laughs> I am El Parento Solo at the moment. Uh, that's right my wonderful wife and eldest daughter are in australia so myself and my younger daughter josephine uh Mm. josie for short to her friends so josephine for you um uh, jj jj she uh, (laughs) and i are hanging out we're just we're just chilling we're just having a nice time the two of us have you got any fun activities planned father daughter bonding activities uh loads you're gonna go to a farm we're gonna go see my grand, my my parents. We're gonna Are you go gonna go to the swimming. city farm, the Hackney Down no, no, no. City Farm thing? No, 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 we'll go to a farm in the countryside, a rural a proper farm. Yeah, a rural wow. farm. What a treat! What a treat! Yeah, indeed. We've got a bit of a treat on this particular episode as well, mm. because uh, on this week's episode, our guest is Kate Davis. The vocalist and guitarist in extreme grind metalcore is what I've decided yeah, to sure. call them. Basically, if you listen to metal, that'll you'll understand what that means. If you don't listen to metal, in a noisy band, basically. <laughs> uh, pu- <laughs> that is the way. That is the way I describe heavy metal to my my grandparents. <laughs> They're noisy. They're noisy. The vocalist and guitarist in uh, yes, extreme grind metalcore band Pupil Slicer. Mm. Now, their debut full-length album, Mirrors, came out last year. I think it was around this time last year, actually. And I think we both collectively found it one of the gnarliest records of last year. You really loved it, didn't you? Oh, I fell in love with this very Mm. hard. Yes, I... um this was one of my favourite records of the year and I, th- I still listen to it a lot. I haven't been able to see them live because I was supposed to see them live with Rollo Tomasi and the wonderful Harriet, but I got COVID that day. Mm. So mm. I couldn't go. But yes, this record, yeah, I think it was early last year, wasn't it? It was released and I picked it up from your recommendation from that other blooming other podcast you do, right? Oh, hello. Hello. Um, and yes, I love it. It's, um, it's marvellous. I love it so much that in this chat... I title it wrong within the chat with Kate. Brilliant. <laughs> yes. I mean, of the amount of times I've done that in my career, it's true, it's, uh, true, it's it's embarrassing. I, actually, I can feel of think of a few times I've done it with bands that you work with. So, Brilliant. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Mirrors is absolutely wonderful. Um, incredible record. Um, I did get to see them uh, with Rolo, and um, mm. they they were fantastic. Very very promising young band. Don't just take our word for it. Got a review here, taken at random. The Metal Hammer review, written by uh, oh Stephen Hill. He he's a Stephen co-presenter Hill of a represent. certain podcast. 
<laughs> um, I point it out merely because I agree with him completely. The band grasp enough dynamics, hooks and melodies to never let any of these 12 tracks feel like an exercise in aimless white noise. There's a raft of exciting and innovative bands coming from the UK right now. Pupil Slicer are on par with all of them. There you go. Nice. So don't just take our word for it. Take our mate's word for it as well. Sure. Um, <laughs> Katie is an avid video gamer and quite an interesting one. Yeah. This one. Top three flawed masterpieces in video games. Mm. Which feels like a really specific one. Yeah. Are you much of a gamer, Matt? Yeah, I am. We talk a bit about the pod. I am a huge gamer and I am a thousand years old. So I've been playing computer games for a very long time and I'm still utterly shit so <laughs> i struggle with the mere simple action of walking around elden R elder ring just just oh, trying yeah. to not die for five minutes mm. yeah it's very very interesting it's anyway. a great I was, chat. I was it's a great yeah, chat and, yeah. it, and it, it has inspired me i mean after the chat it inspired me to go back and play a couple of other games that we kind of collectively spoke about as well within the chat yes. that maybe I was a bit too harsh on, and I won't, you know, reveal whenever people are going to have to listen to the damn chat to find out that that hot meat info. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's a really good chat. And and I, for some reason, I listened to the chat and I was inspired, and I went back with this kind of newly new inspired sort of like drive of of confidence yeah i can do this i can play computer games as well as this this young whippersnapper no <laughs> no i can't i'm still utter rubbish without any further ado let's get into this top three chat on flawed masterpieces in video games with katie davies from And I am very happy to say that we are joined by the delightful Katie Davies from Pupil Slicer. How are you today? I'm all right. Not bad. Not bad. We have just been talking... Uh, well, you, you've been talking, Matt, about having a list of some you've got you've got several top three lists of these video games in several ways you have uh, your top three games of all time your top three games that aren't good but you like anyway lists your top three worst games ever you were just talking about that i'm just a man of lists renfrey you know me i like to list <laughs> everything i will put everything and anything in a list uh yes i i constantly keep lists of uh games people <laughs> books things i eat but yes in this specific context of this podcast i have some games that i like that are a bit shit hello rampage hello mm. almost any star wars game um yeah. and games that i love from lemmings to bioshock uh to elder scrolls oh. and then we have a list of things like katie is going to talk about which are flawed masterpieces so to speak mm, and how you, you deliberated over your list quite a bit katie so what was the process of you coming to this particular top three um i think first, well the first thing i was like is what what is it i want to talk about a lot so i was like mm -hmm. well i've just done like seven thousand interviews about the album so not that yeah <laughs> <laughs> Which is great, by the way. We haven't actually said that. The, the new people... We might have said it in the intro, uh, which we've yet to record. Uh, but the album is absolutely fantastic. So congratulations on that. It's, it's yeah, wicked. Yeah, it's been doing really well. It's, it's, uh, it's cool. It's, it's really weird seeing 
people like the thing I've made but you know <laughs> I remember when we were when I met you in the airport on the way to New York so you didn't just find yeah those. but then uh, right. when we like hung out to like 4 a.m in that bar <laughs> yes uh and i was this I was... was this was after the last ever dillinger escape plan yeah. show in new york man we, we were in a bar very very late uh yeah till about 4 a.m wow. as you say sorry very carry cool. on yeah it was very cool and uh i was i was saying like how people say we sounded like uh jane doe converged era stuff and but the only thing out of that time was our ep which frankly was kind of shit <laughs> but like <laughs> i was predicting the future of like because at that time i think we'd been playing songs from mirrors live like even then like some of the songs are like three years old like it's just been in the works for ages so mm. you know I, I was aiming ahead i was like eventually we'll have something good and you will like it then, just <laughs> not the stuff that's out now. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's like we got there. it's it's um, just you know I don't want to embarrass you, but it's just an incredible record. I can't stop listening to it. I think when I first heard it, I think I put Husk on repeat in my headphones for about an hour, just just backwards <laughs> and forwards. Uh, it's just an amazing record. I think I think I well I know I did I wanged on about it in a previous episode of the podcast as my recommendation for recommendation corner and i think i went into quite some detail about how amazing it is so yeah it's it's just brilliant remind me uh, how you found out about that record oh, for Matt. fuck's sake uh, i can't <laughs> i listened to your uh review and i went renfrey is always terribly wrong so this can't be true so i'm gonna listen to this and make up my own mind and I listened to it, and mm. as soon as Martyrs started, I was just like, oh, man, shit, Renfrey's right about something. Oh, I'm going <laughs> to get my so humble right. pie and start shoveling it down my throat. <laughs> no, it was, yeah, it was, it was all for, Thank you, Renfrey. Oh, you're very welcome. So, yes, so how did you come to this particular list, Katie? Uh, yeah, so thinking, I was like, what, what do I want to talk about a lot? And then I was like, I wanted it to be something that you'd have something to talk about. So I was like, well, that throws out Warhammer um <laughs> <laughs> sorry. That, i'm sorry i don't know i was thinking movies but i was like a lot of people do movies not many people like talk about video mm -hmm. games in our scene mm -hmm. so then i was like well what do i want to talk about my first thing i was going to do like really disappointing sequels and remakes and stuff but then i was like no i don't want to like trash these things and then have a fan who's like but i really like them <laughs> and then they hate us forever because we trashed their favorite thing so instead i decided to go in a more positive direction so i was like great sequels but then i was like there's too many great sequels so then i was like good boss fights and you hadn't played any of the games that i picked my favorite bosses from <laughs> yeah. so then i was like uh well flawed masterpieces games that i love and are like some of my favorite games ever but i can admit there are things that could have been better about them okay interesting is there a particular genre or style of video game that you gravitate towards to generally um not not really i think i think i'll do a bit of everything i've been playing a lot of mm. sort of jrpgs recently but um that was all the games that i hadn't played basically so apologies for that yeah but... my jrpg knowledge is not great what does the to j be stand honest. for i'm, I'm super japanese. I'm japanese japanese of course mm. So I've done, you know, I've done a couple of Final Fantasies and stuff like that, but I've very much only skimmed the surface. Yeah, I, I always thought they sounded boring when I was younger, and now I'm like, oh my god, these are amazing. There's something weirdly enrapturing about them. I don't want to spoil anything or anything like that, but 
I think Final Fantasy VII yeah. is the first video game that ever made me oh cry. Oh, God. Yeah, that's a. Mm. Uh, I cried in Final Fantasy VII. I cried in Final Fantasy fourteen. I didn't cry at Final Fantasy twelve. So what? What? Which? Yeah. What are we up to now? If I, I, a guy, someone I know, has oh just done sixteen's the 16. new one. The music to the Final Fantasy that's games. So, it's so good. Like, someone could easily do a top yeah. three on that. It's become very, very lauded critically and 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 from fans and stuff. Like the music in those games is really evocative and beautifully done. Even in yeah. the early ones. I just I just yesterday ordered the four LP box set of the Final Fantasy fourteen <laughs> soundtrack that. Uh, that got announced yeah they're doing it and it's like one lp uh one for the base game and then one for each expansion nice. since with tracks nice. from it. It's, it's quite nice that's where that's where that record label money's going <laughs> which i'm sure you have loads of because that's how it works yeah we're we're, we're absolutely loaded. <laughs> yeah with a name like pupil slicer you're like top 10 we did chart we did chart in the US. that's amazing where did you get to it's amazing Let's move on to your first choice for your top three flawed masterpieces of video games. Your first choice. My first choice for this is Fallout New Vegas, Ooh, yes. which is a fantastic game that is incredibly rushed. Not rushed, but like it's unfinished in a lot mm. of ways and it didn't get the development time it needed. But what is there is amazing. So there's a lot of bugs at release so there's a lot of patching to sort of fix yeah. that these days if you want to have a good play of it i actually bought it in its opening months i was obsessed with fallout 3 yeah i had it when it came out on on yeah. console and it's definitely a lot better of an experience playing yeah. it now on pc with like fixes it was um, a mess quality of life changes yeah. and stuff but then like in terms of development basically the ncr storyline is the only fully fleshed storyline there's like they give you so many options. There's like five of them and they've got a start on some of them, but they're very short and then mm. just end. Mm. Whereas the NCR, there's like 15, 20 hours of quests for that faction doing stuff that affects the world at large. And it seemed like that's the only one they finished. Yeah, yeah. I, I very much got that sense when I played it as well. So it's a, it's a post-apocalyptic open world role-playing game effectively played from a first-person mm. perspective you can play it from a third-person perspective as well yeah, you can get the same engine is used as was used for skyrim which um I, I'm... same engine as oblivion and yeah Morrowind. yeah yeah it's quite quite it an old engine these days but um yeah. it's this huge sprawling post-apocalyptic landscape in which you can follow a main storyline quest if you so choose and actually i, I really like the main storyline quest for fallout new vegas it's pretty cool <laughs> has chandler bing aka matthew perry yeah. doing the voice for the lead villain which is quite strange well, I, I don't know if lead villain he's he's the he's the antagonist for the establishing the game that gets yes. you it. he's the he's the doohickey to move get the plot yes. moving which is so that as the game opens the, the opening cutscene is basically a montage of stuff happening in vegas all shiny lights then goes out to the uh, wasteland your character is in first person kneeling there's a guy who's played by chandler bing in a nice checkered suit very fashionable uh, next with two mohawked gangsters with him that like look like tribesmen that are like really out of place and uh, he's got a silver chip that he's confiscated from you as in a poker poker chip just like the game the game was a setup from the start and then shoots you in the head 
and that's and then it says Fallout New Vegas, and that's how the game starts. It's very it's cool. a wicked opening. And then you wake up in a clinic, and it's like, well, now we've got to find him. What what happened? What's going yeah. on? And then it all unfurls. And I think you were very correct to correct me on um, saying lead villain because really, I suppose it depends which faction you go with yeah it depends how you play the game basically as to so that's the thing like as rpgs go none of the other fallout since like fallout 2 the old asymmetric ones have done multiple choices multiple paths different aspects of things and i feel like new vegas was properly because new vegas had devs from fallout 1 and 2 working Mm. on it like obsidian the development team was made up of people who used to be at interplay Mm-hmm. on the first two fallout games years ago and then when bethesda bought the license they basically did their own thing with fallout 3 um sort of messed up a lot of the law didn't really put any choices in had loads of people that were just unkillable because they were like well that will break our main quest if you kill these people and then um for some reason they were, obsidian were given they was told you've got uh like a year or two years to make new vegas in a similar style to say majora's mask being made off ocarina of time reusing loads of assets uh, they already had the starting point of the engine and everything but as they were people who'd worked on the original they were like well we're going to put it back in its original setting which is california we're going to have it say i think it's like 50 or 100 years after fallout mm-hmm. 2 uh, loads of references to those events all the canon stuff sort of gets pulled back from fallout 3 to be back in like original fallout canon and then they sort of have just written a world with different factions and you can go and see what their motivations are and everyone's written with a motivation that from a certain point of view is understandable like they're all trying to do their best to reclaim the broken world that society is at Mm. that point um and form a a way forward for civilization so in terms of this kind of topic that you've chosen so so what what are the flawed aspects of of fallout new vegas for yeah. you i mean I, I i know that they had a lot of development issues and when they launched mm. there was a whole load of bug stuff yeah so it was quite buggy at launch just because there's no time for qa testing it's a massive game and that engine itself is very buggy and every game that's come out on it has been like basically unplayable <laughs> the day it comes Pretty out much, yeah. um with game breaking bugs but they're um, always really looked forward to as well so it's always seen as like a massive yeah massive, they're always fantastic it's always a massive deal in the video game community that like you know new bethesda game yeah. comes out and like everyone hates it on day one but it gets better as it goes on this will, this will come up yeah. again in a later choice eventually the fans uh the fans yes, fix exactly it. so that's yeah. basically <laughs> they just let the fans fix it uh with mods and stuff but um yeah, the main themes in terms of it being flawed are just like unfinished things. There's like loads of quest lines that sort of establish something and don't go anywhere. That's that's got to be so frustrating. It's really annoying. Yeah. Oh my god, that's really be so annoying. annoying. Yeah. Yeah, there's just lo- lots of build up of things that doesn't go anywhere. Like Caesar's Legion. When you actually start talking to him, Caesar's like all his dialogue is he's going into like Hegelian dialectics or something. He's like got his whole own personal philosophy and his thing is to rebuild society you need to start at the ground up which means going back to the roman empire and subjugation to build the foundations to have the fall of rome and then go through but then there's it's so well written with like the fact that he knows his followers don't hold that same philosophy and when he dies that his whole empire will probably crumble but he doesn't want to think about that and it's sort of but anyway if you side with him you get like two missions and then he tells you to go and kill the president of the NCR and the game ends. 
and all the endings as well are just like slideshows of yeah. like and then the oh, courier did this yeah. and the way slam says and you can't play after the credits because uh it's just like here's what would happen if you did this ending um yeah yeah there's so much i think that's a game where the journey is the game it's the little side quests which are fully fleshed out where there's like a water main that this organization is using to do their farms but it's being tapped by these like this group of survivors who haven't got anything else but the failing crops means that those people are going to start dying and there's the whole moral dilemma there and there are no right choices and those are amazing but then you've got things like this quest doesn't go anywhere this person after you've met them this one time they're never mentioned mm. again because there wasn't enough writing time to incorporate that into the greater scheme of the game so yeah it's it it's so close to being like a perfect game and in many ways it is like a it's just a really enjoyable game to be in there's just if it had like another six months of development yeah it could have been like one of the greatest games or maybe of all even time. a year i think it might have needed yeah. i think there was a big disparity between what bethesda obsidian were, were doing and i think mm, so i think there's like uh a disparity between what both teams wanted to accomplish um because yeah. you know initially they were just seeing it as sort of a a add-on to fallout 3 and then it mm. became this whole this whole new sort of title and a whole new world kind of it was sort of partly inspired by how the grand theft auto titles had gone off into like vice city and san andreas and things like that at the yeah. time um but i think the key thing that makes fallout new vegas so beloved amongst people like me and katie is the fact that the the choice dilemma that it gives you like you sort of said there is no good or bad choice every single choice you make has some sort of dire consequences for someone it's just choosing like who gets them effectively and you know all the best open world games i think make those choices really really difficult and sometimes i play open world games where the choice to be good or the choice to be bad is so obvious but it's so much more interesting when the choice is actually mixed up in the middle somewhere mm. some weird gray area where it isn't entirely clear what the right or wrong thing to do is at all and i think better than any other fallout game and the reason that it's my favorite fallout game even though i do totally agree with you it is flawed um but it's my favorite fallout game because the choices are so like so difficult to make they're so hmm. difficult it's a brilliant game have you played this game matt are you familiar with it I've not played, no, I've played Fallout 2, which I enjoyed, which is pretty pretty old school, yeah. kind of gridded. But Fallout 2 is also a game that has choices like that. It, it does. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, everything's meaningful in that game. And I think a game with meaningful choices, even if it's a bit more clunky than one with less meaningful ones, is going to stick yeah, with you. Long. I agree. Definitely. You know, I love, I love Fallout 2. I thought it was great. Um, and I played Fallout 4, which I enjoyed, but when I told you guys earlier, you both sort of scoffed <laughs> and <laughs> digitally looked at each other and sort of raised your eyes a little bit. But I, I quite enjoy. I mean, you know, I thought it was a bit rubbish, but I kind of enjoyed it. It's, it it's an rubbish. enjoyable, like, gameplay loop, no matter what they do with the story or choices or whatever. They, the Bethesda are good at creating just, like pretty satisfying gameplay of like go out explore a bit find something put stuff in your backpack take it to town and sell it that's basically that's the, that's, that's what you do you basically nailed just it. Yeah. to 
back you up a little bit there, Matt, whilst we did totally, totally Thanks. do that. If if I <laughs> if I hadn't have played Fallout Three or New Vegas, I would have enjoyed four a lot more than I did. It's it's ma- it, the main issues with four is it just isn't as good as three or New Vegas, really. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I did I did stop at the series. I did play four, and I did sort of stop. Yeah. So maybe that says a lot about. Well, I I put at least a hundred hours into three and New Vegas, and I think I put about thirty hours into four. So it's not a bad game. I put I put like four. Mm. I played it the day it came out for one session and never played it again. The the thing with four is all it takes well the list of dialogue options and just gives you four on every conversation. And one is always bye. So there's three dialogue <laughs> options. One is always yes. One is sarcastically yes. And one is no. But if you say no, they'll probably change your mind. And then in the com- voiced conversation, your character go actually yes. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. my character was always sarcastic every sarcastic option it was always like yes yeah i'll buy i'll buy that sure <laughs> it's a fantastic game we haven't talked about companions yet i think fallout new vegas has some of the best companions oh yeah fantastic yeah, companions uh so much subtle writing like uh i really like that veronica talks about being kicked out of the brotherhood or something for having a girlfriend and then in like the second expansion of the game you meet a lady who can't talk because she's had her vocal cords removed or something. And then you later find out when you restore her vocals, she says something about like dating a girl from the Brotherhood of Seal and then running away. And it's something so le- so small that only if you'd met that companion and had that specific conversation, you'd be like, oh, these two characters yeah. were like interconnected. And yeah, they're all, all of the companions are just really well written. All of them have got their own like their own little story path you can go down and find something out i think they managed to throw so many of those little details into the game that even if as a player you play it through once and you only encounter say five of those stories they all feel really meaningful to you because you've had you personally have had to remember some exposition from 15 hours ago and then for whatever reason you do and it's like oh my god that feels like a moment just made for me um but it's really really clever how they kind of make you feel like that even though i mean strictly it isn't a lot of people would would find those things but i don't think everyone would on their playthroughs the more you put into it the more you get out i guess in that respect yeah uh shall we move on then to your second choice Sure. Is this the the one that you this know? This is the one that about? I know nothing about. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't even say it. Okay. I don't even know how you say it. It's it's near near is what it was called in the West. It was called near Gestalt, technically, and replicant in Japan. And then recently they've remade it uh, and released the replicant version yeah. over here. That confused me when I was looking this up. I will I will admit. <laughs> so, uh, so basically. I don't know how much to go in because there's so much stuff that's easy to spoil in it. And I don't want to do that okay. too much. But uh, the original game is basically like it opens with like a ruined metropolis in the snow. A little boy is looking after his sister who's coughing or something. He pit- he touches a magic book as like black shades are approaching, fights them off and tells the girl not to touch the book. He then fights some more black, like, shadow beings. Uh, and the girl is like, I got a cookie. I've made, like, a pact with this book. So he had something to eat. And then, and then she, like, has black writing go across her and passes out. And then it says, 1,500 years passed. And then you're in a typical fantasy village. 
the same two characters are there. The girl's still got the black writing on her, but it's like a generic fantasy setting. And uh, you're like, I'm going to go off, go like kill some sheep for some mutton for the village. And the game is what happened? What is going on? What are these black shades? And uh, it's like one of the most emotional and gripping things it's one of my favorite games ever. And they released two versions of it. They released, uh, and it was just the Western version of it. They thought no one would want to be like a boy, kid, brother to a girl. And, and then you go up to like a young adult. And they were like, no, the, the Americans, the, the Westerns, they like, they're big buff men. So they made it a dad. And it's just a big buff guy instead. Okay. But everything else in the game is exactly the same. They just replaced the brother with a dad. What an odd decision. Yeah, it's, it's really strange. Um, I think they just thought that you'd care more about the girl if it was a daughter than a sister. That's a very strange decision. Yeah. How did they get... How, what's the rationale behind that? That's very strange. I think it might have been, like, executive saying no one wants to play a game as, like, another twink over in the West. <laughs> so <laughs> they, there was enough of those, and they were saying that our games sell better if you put a muscly guy in, as the main character to the West of it. And maybe they were looking at like Gears of War and stuff, and they were like, "That's what people want for their main Short, characters." Short, muscly dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Short, squat, muscly dudes, <laughs> able to hold large weapons. But I kind of feel like, yeah. I mean, yeah, Gears of War is one example, but it's it's like I guess the Metal Gear Solid series, I suppose. The Witcher. Yeah, but there are plenty of series where you just play. I, I guess maybe it's more in indie games that you play I, I feel like i've played a little girl i need to be careful with that sentence fucking hell i feel like i've played a little girl in a video game Where we in a video game multiple times right. over yeah. the last yeah. i don't know 10 years it's just yeah it was like 11 years ago it uh, came out yeah. so i think it's a different Maybe. landscape Maybe. um totally More anyway they, sure. they've now um so the the flawed part of mm. it is basically it's a very janky game it's a very gamey game a lot of the fetch quests are very like go out and pick three berries for me and come back and there's fantastic dialogue written around go and pick these berries the characters will have a conversation about the quest again there's so much detail to it but it's just a gamey go and pick three berries thing and uh, so a lot of the set side quests can be very tedious yeah. the weapon upgrading system is super grindy uh, you don't even need to do it because the game's way too easy, oh. even on hard. Although I'd recommend playing on normal anyway, just because it's not the sort of game which you go in for the gameplay because the gameplay itself isn't amazing. So they've just remade it after 10 years. So, uh, I'm really sad. You know, really I'll go so, so I'm, st quite... I'm going more on the flawed side to start. So, okay, then I'll go on it's, to the it's quite, So it's, it's quite janky. It's quite start. janky. It's, it's a great word. I don't know what it means, yeah. but I like it. The gameplay isn't great. Yeah. The weapon upgrade is rubbish. <laughs> yeah, the side um, quest. They talk, they, they talk about berries too much. So they, they've just remade it, and, and, the, and in the remake, they've basically just done the replicant version, which means you're the brother instead. Uh, right. But apart from that, it's a pretty straight remake, except they've made the gameplay way more fluid. It was playable in the original. It, it's not like it was bad. It was just playable. And now it's like kind of fun. It's not much more better. But could they, they put that on the, on the box? <laughs> kind of fun gameplay. Uh, Katie, triple slicer. 
it's kind of fun <laughs> yeah they've um so they've made like you can use your magic while moving around they've uh, made all the animations really flashy it's a really nice looking game now um the original one looked like a lot of games on the sort of 360 and ps3 generation where everything was sort of bloom and sort of browny greens a lot, yeah, a lot of the criticism I've read about this game was based around their graphics. Yeah, the how, new one. How bang uh, average they were. The the new one looks really amazing. They've done a really good job, sort of updating everything. So that's that's a lot of the flawed side. Yeah. So Where does the masterpiece more? part uh, come in? The masterpiece. Uh, oh, and then no, oh, uh, the more flaws <laughs> tie into the masterpiece part. Um, a bit more criticism. So, basically, the story. Have you ever seen? You you haven't. You neither of you have watched anime, but like Neon Genesis Evangelion, or I'm trying to think of like films or TV shows. That, but, uh, anyway, the, it starts with that like weird opening, very generic start, and it gets you attached to these characters, and things start getting weirder and weirder as the story goes on. It's it's an enjoyable story. You meet like a lady who runs around in like underwear shouting obscenities at things <laughs> <Sold>. <laughs> um but you're like that's kind of weird but they do actually end up explaining it and it's not like for just gratuitous sexualization so you get to this point halfway through you you meet this magical flying book who's your companion and he does all the magic for you um, and you get to this point halfway through and the village main village gets attacked by the monsters and all these characters you've been meeting in these side quests and stuff are like getting killed off and then the it's kind of spoilers so you don't want the spoilers on there and want to play it which i really recommend you do it goes very weird towards the end and then it ends up being like one of the most emotional and powerful games i've ever played if not the most so it's the story that caught you it was it's the story that's the most it's the story it's the story and the character development can I go into spoilers? Uh, it's, it's up to you, I think. Um, I mean, we should flash it that there will be spoilers if you are going to go into them. But I'm going to go into a, a bit. I probably won't go super deep. Okay, so, so like, uh, but, skip so, five minutes if you don't want to hear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The village gets attacked. The underwear girl has to uh, sacrifice her herself. To... That's her name. Yeah, that's her name now. Floating uh, book. Floating book. underwear girl. Naked shouty underwear girl. And then a like, 10-year-old boy who can paralyze things with his eyes. That's uh, a classic, classic gang. <laughs> that's, right that, that's the gang. And it's such a great <laughs> gang. All the characters are so on development. Anyway, you uh, seal away this monster that attacks the village in the library by Pat. Uh, the lady's like, oh, petrify me to see all this door. She gets petrified. And then uh, a bit, a, a big shade shadow thing that looks like the main character comes down, nicks your sister, flies off. Rude. <laughs> yeah, very rude. Um, and then the, there's, a, there's a black book as well as the white book that's been following you around. They have a conversation. And, uh, <laughs> yes, you do. He's like, we need oh, to fuse Lord. together. We need to... <laughs> complete the shadow lord's plan uh remember your purpose and he's like no you're evil you sound like albert wesker from resident <laughs> evil uh <laughs> so then uh he says no they fight off anyway uh you get like stabbed by the guy and then uh you all collapse Ki- sister's been kidnapped underwear girl's been frozen to protect the village uh and then the game is like five years later and then the main character's grown up five years 
the village is, is like desolate the tone of the game does a complete 180 it's now like really depressing and like really intense a lot of the side quests in the second half are a lot more focused on people surviving and have really negative conclusions where the first one was like go and find this guy's dog you found his dog the second half is like go and find this person's girlfriend oh they died uh going out to get food or something and then you have to choose how to break the news to the person when you come back sarcastically in matt's case sarcastically <laughs> in matt's case. yeah um she's gone sorry and uh <laughs> once you reach the end of the game you go through this uh whole thing gathering keys that and they make comment throughout the game this seems like someone set us on this path to do this and you get to the end and then the ending plays out and there's lots of stuff i won't spoil there and it seems like a kind of happy ending because you get your sister back at the end but then it's like replay the game load your cleared save to view underwear girl story and ending b and then you read load the game it goes back to the point where she got frozen you hear her whole childhood leading up to that point abuse and like meeting her grandma and it's just really well fleshed out like i cry every time that like and it's all text it's just like reading a novel for like half an hour and but it's like some of its voice some of it's got really amazing music throughout it i mean i, was, I have to say the, the, the way you describe it sounds amazing i, I yeah. totally want to play it the way you were describing it up until the ending sounds a little bit like you know when you wake up from a, a dream and you're like that's the most incredible dream i've ever had i have to go tell someone right now and you go down and you start talking and about a minute into how you're talking you've totally forgotten what you've been talking about and yeah. then there's this book and there's a black book and then there's a dog and you've got to tell people how they died but i love the ending aspect i love the character mm. yeah it's the character endings. developments and then the second playthrough you can hear everything that the black shades are saying. Oh, right. Everything gets recontextualized and you're suddenly like, oh shit, what are we doing? What's going on in this game? And then as you get, there's extra cutscenes where you just have like what these black shades, the like boss characters you'd fought, what they were doing before then. And it's very clear that you're not the hero of this game bad things are happening and they also make you do a third playthrough which to get ending c which adds even more cutscenes to the game to recontextualize it um and then there's a, f a fourth ending and a fifth ending and all of them just add keep adding context and by the end of it you're like this story was such an amazing work of art but told in a way that only could work in video games but i think in a way that's also a negative in that having that replay there is a kind of repetitiveness at least past the first two the first two are all right but then you're getting less each mm, time mm, more mm, but then mm. it's more like just the ending is extended each it's time it's a fascinating idea though i mean it's it's very yeah, seven it samurai and then the gameplay itself doesn't stay constrained as well that in that whilst the gameplay is like serviceable and then in the new remake it's pretty kind of fun as we said um it doesn't just do sort of your hack and slash adventure gameplay because it's, it's very sort of zelda styled and it's like you go and do dungeons and come back it's more of an action adventure than a rpg mm. game in that sense 
an action um, role playing quite, game. Quite like Twilight. That's how Wikipedia yeah, describes it. Twilight Princess is what I'd say is like okay. its main inspiration. It pulls a lot of aesthetics yeah. from that. There's like elements of bullet hell there where like enemies are spewing out a billion projectiles and you've got to weave between them and dodge. The camera goes top down for sections. The camera, it will go like 2D platformer for sections. Mm. There's like text-based adventure parts where you have to like navigate a place like Zork. Right. Uh, so cool. They, you, re- you really turned the <laughs> yeah, you have. around. I think yeah. kind, kind of Fun There's... has been upgraded to uh, Will Play. The, the main gameplay is kind of fun, but then it's the amount of variety they put in there with every like different thing. I like the idea of the game changing to suit the story. Like That's a really cool yeah. idea. And the, to- the tone switch is just so good. And then the second tone switch, when it's like, now you can hear the dialogue that the enemies are saying because you realise at the end something wasn't quite right and you shouldn't have killed the final boss. But then you're like, yeah, whatever, let's mm. go. So yeah, it's it's... It's a fantastic game. The characters in that game are like some of the best developed characters in any game, I think. How long is one playthrough, roughly? So if you weren't going to do all the side quests like Uh I do, because I like completing Uh everything anyway, you could probably get to the end in about 15, 20 hours of the first one. And then also on the subsequent playthroughs, it starts you at the five-year skip okay. again. So you only play okay. the second half of the game again. The depressing bit. Yeah, that because that's the part where it's like, this would be interesting to see what the enemies are saying. In the first part, it's a lot more setting up the world, seeing what it's like before things degrade. And then the second half is when it's like, okay, now let's go. And then it would be like five hours for each subsequent. Okay. So I think you could get through all the endings in about 35, 40 hours. And like by the time you get to the second end, you'll probably know if you're like, yeah, this is amazing. I want, I want to know more. This is getting really weird. Now. But if you stopped at say the second ending, like because it has ended, there it would still feel like it's resolved for you, I suppose. Yeah, once you go past the second ending, you get less out of it. Mm. But in the remaster, the new one, they added a fifth ending. Oh, right. The third and fourth endings are basically, it plays the same as the second with a couple extra cutscenes. And then at the end, you make a choice which determines. So you can just load your save before the end to see those two. And one of them is really cool in that it deletes your save file and everything you've got. You choose something that means your character is wiped out of existence and everyone's memories. And it's like, it like asks you loads of times, do you want to confirm? And there's a reason for this choice and it makes sense in the game, but it's just such a cool idea. And then it's like, type in your character's name. Uh, the main character is called Nier in canon, which is why the game is called Nier. So I always put the character's Nier. So you like type in Nier and it's like, correct. And then it goes into your inventory screen and shows all your items fade away. And then your completed quest screens and all of them fade away. And then it shows your saves and they all get deleted. I've never heard of this on any other game. It's yeah, such it's an a really cool idea. And then the way fifth... of developing a game. There was a so horror cool. game for the N64. Yeah. I want to say it was called Perfect Dark. Eternal, Eternal Darkness. Darkness. GameCube. Game, that, it was that GameCube. That does weird. It's those meta things I really love in games. Yeah. Uh, so, so Batman Arkham Asylum did a little Batman bit Arkham like Asylum well. does that brilliantly. And yeah. So I think Undertale does a bit like that meta outside as well. One of one of the quote unquote mm. horror aspects of the game, Eternal Darkness, is it it's sort a sanity of, meter. Yeah, you have a sanity meter in it, and if it gets too low, it starts like deleting your gate, your save games, and stuff like that, and it becomes a real right. fear for the player because it's like. I don't want 
my progress to go back like what's the worst thing you can do to a player in a video and the game? game like glitches itself yeah. and makes itself like it look like it's not working yeah and... Yeah, it's really oh. cool. A horror, I, did, I didn't even know Nintendo did horror games. That was taken out to Relic, wasn't it? Was that Relic, that one? As Crystal Knights or something? Oh, you might be right. I can't remember yeah. what they were called. The Dynamite Nintendo but... wouldn't allow too much gore or horror or stuff on their systems mm. until... But then Resident Evil 4 was the GameCube. Resident yeah, I, th- I think yeah. it was... And the one remake. I think it was the N64. I, when Sega started yeah. coming out and being like, this is like the SNES Mega Drive Dino days. Crisis yeah, or whatever. Yeah, this is yeah. the SNES, SNES Mega Drive days I'm talking about. But when they started coming out with violent games, Nintendo like had to compete. because It was Mortal Kombat, and Mortal Kombat was the one that made them have to change that policy of being just cutesy-cutesy stuff. But um, yeah. Nintendo did go down that road eventually. I've probably harked on enough about Nier, but yeah, it gets... <laughs> you sold us in the end, Katie, in the end. Yeah, I think yeah, I went too lo- far on the floors. And basically, like, if you feel like doing the side quests, do them, because there's cool dialogue around that your characters have a conversation. But a lot of the cool things about side quests as well is those characters come back in the second half if some of them are alive and you'll find out what happened to people. So, like, all the side quests do have sort of ties in and it just creates this world where everything feels grounded despite the video gaming aspects of it it's a really grounded world and yeah the story repeats are amazing and uh that sounds cool. context. Uh, let's move on to your final choice then for flawed masterpieces i i was about to say this will be a controversial one but i don't think it will i think there'll be plenty of people who are overjoyed that you're choosing this especially with the flawed um aspect yeah. of it um what's your final choice my final flawed masterpiece uh <laughs> embodying both of those words very <laughs> strongly is cyberpunk 2077 mm. i held back my expectations going in i was like i got to like two years before release and then they started being like look at all these stars we've got to talk about the game look at all these like press demos and i was just like i just want to play the game i'm just going to go media silent on it and uh play it and then it came out i hadn't pre-ordered it because i was like well i'm gonna see what people are saying and i didn't play it at launch because everyone was like this is a pile of shit this is the worst game i've ever played it doesn't work it's terrible in every way and i was like oh that kind of sucks and then uh, my boyfriend played it and he went in with that attitude but was like i'll just pirate it and if it's good i'll buy it and he played it and then he was like that was like the coolest thing ever. And he ended up buying it. The main story, the actual like meat of the game, the part they put in, because there's so much stuff to talk about in cut content and uh, unfinished mechanics and all that stuff. But the actual main story, the performances, all of it is like one of the coolest cyberpunk things ever. It's an homage to everything that makes the genre amazing. The music is all amazing. Uh, so many great artist features and the original soundtrack as well is really good mm. and it's probably like Keanu Reeves best performance in his career despite me when he was announced being like oh come on why did you just <laughs> chuck a celebrity in your game uh, which I would assume was the reaction of a lot of people like, I know a load of people are excited for him but like my general reaction when I see this game's going to have this celebrity in is mm. like did did you need to put a celebrity's face in your video game to sell it like it's more often than not distracting than it yeah. is a good thing yeah, yeah, yeah um but yeah i think no one else could have played johnny silver and then uh keanu now i played it and 
when I played it, I, I played it like a month ago, two months ago. Most of the bugs, it came out in like December. Uh, I, I encountered like very few bugs. I like had. Are you playing on a PS4 or 5? I was playing on PC. Oh. But I think that was the main problem with it is they somehow in all this time didn't think there's going to be a current gen version of the game they didn't think oh what about the ps4 and xbox one versions they developed from with pc in mind forefront and then scaled it back and then they realized the engine wasn't scalable we've built like the most complicated open world anyone's put in a game how are we going to make this run on current hardware Mm. it was way too ambitious for its own good but then playing it on a PC, I think most of the bugs and performance issues and all of that was down to them not creating a scalable version for those current gen consoles. Uh, so it runs like shit. It looks like shit. And there's glitches everywhere because it can't process everything properly. When you're actually playing the PC version or like on the PS5 versions, which I've heard are a lot more playable, it's a lot more minor. I don't think Cyberpunk was any more buggy than a Bethesda game. If anything, it was less buggy than a Bethesda game would have been at launch. But it was because of all this hype yeah. and people being like, CDPR are the greatest game company ever. People had forgotten Witcher 3 launched in a pretty similar state. Yeah, uh, the only difference is that didn't launch on like previous. They didn't try and release Witcher 3 on like 360 and then make it work. Mm. Because if they had, they'd have probably ended up with the same situation they ended up now. Yeah. I mean, they're they're opening that opening week of the game after all these years of development and chucking Keanu Reeves at the screen. I mean, their stock went down by nearly ten percent. Mm. I should have invested them because I think they're going to pull it back. I think with DLC and continuing to patch it and make it work better on the previous stuff, I think. But I think it's too late now because people have already seen, oh, this game's actually great. But video game players, like, we're notorious for this sort of crap, aren't we? Like, the day something... Yeah. I mean, I, I do understand... The day I do, something comes out. Yeah, the day something comes out, bemoaning it. And, and I do understand that. Like, video games is one yeah, of... Yeah, the death threat's written up. Let's go. <laughs> it's, one, it's, one of the, it's one of the only um, mediums where it's considered okay to release something that isn't finished because yeah. you can you can patch it up later. Fix it later. But... And and I do appreciate that that is really irritating. It's really annoying if you want to buy a game on release on the day of release. But at the same time, at least it gets fixed, I suppose, yeah. eventually. It's also it's also quite cool, isn't it? I mean, obviously, it's irritating when you buy something like, we'll take No Man's Sky, for example. It's uh, yeah. just a bog standard, boring piece of shit when it gets released. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's the, none of the graphics that yeah. they showed in it, you know. It's quite cool. But now it is. Now it's, now, it's, yeah. now it's really good. And I like, yeah. obviously the dialogue can be a bit toxic between the cust- the consumers and the developers. But mm. what I love about games or gaming or whatever is, you know, you, they can release a piece of crap, but it can be improved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just that journey that you start a game and then you play it again and things get added and so many, it gets modded and it's just... And I, I think that's awesome. I think that's yeah. really, really cool. And it's a very it's... different culture to how things were in like, uh, the PS2, like that generation where you released your game on the disc and that's what people had. And then it was only in the seventh gen where like most people had an internet connection on their consoles. You, yeah. They started doing their DLCs. They started patching games after release. And then they were like well you can just patch everything yeah. and then just get it rushed out but i think a lot of the stuff with cyberpunk is like they also knew it wasn't ready they pushed it back loads of times oh, definitely and uh, they definitely oh, of course knew. they do 
that I think it was a lot of corporate pressure being like, just release it. People like it. And the answer was no, they won't. If it's not done, they, they should have definitely stuck with the coming when it's ready. They didn't need to announce a release date two years out when they still clearly had no idea how long it was going to take to finish the rest of the game. And it was a lot bigger of a task. But I think CDPR is also notorious for sort of not being able to plan its own stuff because since I, I've seen that, like, since it started, it's like five people making The Witcher 1. Yeah. They've basically not got industry experience prior to that they made their engine and sort of just made it work and then on the witcher 2 they like made a new engine and sort of made it work and had to train people up on it and there were so many things that would be so much easier on other engines but they were like no this is the way we do it we do it our way and they did the same for the witcher 3 and then by the time they got to cyberpunk i think during that last two years it was just a revolving door of people being told to deliver something they were like we can't do this mm. with the tools we've been given and then they just get fired and they bring in someone else and that person can't do it and i think there was a lot of that sort of stuff going on behind the scenes and they just kept bringing people in and then they were like is this playable now just mm. okay release it uh, we, they just thought we'll just cut our losses. I think at that point. Yeah, CD Projekt Red, in a sense, are a little bit um, the victim of their own success in a weird way because yeah. I think they they've been around. I mean, according to Wikipedia, they've been around since 1994, but they only got like the the, the amount of success between The Witcher Two and The Witcher Three, like mm. it, it they just exploded overnight it seems because the witcher series have been going i feel like they exploded from one to two May- well. yeah like, maybe because one i think when they did one they were like five people yeah yeah i mean i think one to two to a degree uh, maybe what i mean is when once they released three it felt like they were like it feels like people who don't play video games have heard of the witcher three but they yeah. might not have heard of one or two at that point. You know, I think video game yeah. fans knew. Absolutely. But they're treated like a triple A company and they are, yeah. they are, but they haven't they're, actually, they're, they're now funded by like the Polish government. Yeah, exactly. But they haven't actually They've been made a AAA... like one triple A game. Exactly. They haven't been a triple A company for that long. So I think, yeah. um, I mean, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to say this in a ha ha Harvey sucks to them sort of way. I, yeah. I I just think it happened all so quickly in relative terms that they haven't really got the resources or been able to deal with it very well. You but know? you you and Katie you you enjoy Cyberpunk as a game, right? I mean, I know like now. So yeah, I think gameplay wise, it plays so much better than it looked beforehand. Like I think the gunplay is a lot better than ever, like it's better than all the Fallout games in terms of like you shoot someone in the head and they die. It's not just bullet sponges. Like they've got the the balancing of like critical hits. They've got the gear scaling done really well. I'd say the armor system isn't great, uh, but the armor system is great cosmetically. There's uh, so many options that are all modeled in the game. There's like descriptions written on every item in the game that are like a paragraph long that that didn't need to be there and there are thousands and thousands of things every junk item you pick up like a guitar pick that you go and sell for one credit to the junk vendor like that will have a paragraph of a description on it there's so much attention to detail and i feel like the world they've created is is my favorite open world that's ever been created like exploring that it had as a fan of the genre nothing has done an open world cyberpunk dystopian city as far as i can tell like to that degree of accuracy not in general i can't think of a game that's done like an open world in that kind of setting and to do it so flawlessly to have so many things 
like because it's not just one cyberpunk it's not just blade runner it's got a bit of everything like the wastelands you've got a really mad max feel to them there's elements of dread there's like buildings the mega blocks look just straight out of dread there's like the rundown sort of suburban areas which all versions of apocalyptic sci-fi wastelands are represented in one game uh, you've also got the really high-tech night parts of the city mm. which look like your like Corazon from Star Wars but then you've at, at its core you've got your Blade Runner like super grimy garbage everywhere like high-tech low life is what they call it mm-hmm. that kind of aesthetic and yeah like when I started the game I'd spent like 20 hours just walking around the open world on foot looking at things and just being in that world it's, yeah it's a beautiful it's a really beautiful game it is it's i think it's the best looking game i've played like when when you've got it maxed out on pc it's just like it's unreal yeah it's such a fully realized world and then the soundtrack so good yeah i think um the guy who did the design behind star wars i think his name is mm. macquarie i've got his book here somewhere yeah he coined the used universe sort of as a phrase yeah. so you had before that you had spaceships and robots and everything was pristine and perfect because it was the future and you know he came along and said well no because things will break and a shit and people will try and adapt and and it's that sort of that, that aesthetic that, that, aesthetic yeah. that developed see I, I, I feel like alien also pulled that used universe really well in the first two ones def- having like that futuristic but you can tell it's lived in definitely but they took yeah. that going slightly off topic they, they took that like Star Wars is still princesses and 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 spaceships and and yeah. you know Alien is like there are basically a bunch of people like delivering stuff in a lorry across the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, drinking milk uh, that something <laughs> shit happens to. See, I, well, I I played Cyberpunk and I played it for a while and I just I just I for some reason I just couldn't get into it and I I, I don't know maybe because I was a bit. Swept did you? Up. How far did you play into the story? So my my I was like when I started it the story I was like. Mm, I'm not really feeling this. And then I realized that all the stuff they'd shown is before it even says cyberpunk, the title card it comes up, like up to that heist at the start, which is like, that's the big thing with Jackie, the big heist. I was like, eh, this is all right. Nothing seems to matter. And then that heist happens. And then it says cyberpunk. And then there's the like motel cut scene with Dex. And then you meet Johnny Silverhand in that first, in, well, there's a flashback with him and then you meet him for the first time. And I was like, I was sold from that point onwards. Yeah, see, I, I, um, I, I got it and I just didn't get into it. And uh, I think I must have only done maybe eight hours and I, I have a PS5. Did you get up to meeting Johnny? No. Oh, wait, so yeah, that, that heist is the moment where everything changes i think like it's kind of weak the story uh, but it's a very efficient story like from the opening cutscene uh, after you've done like your tutorial bit that's mm-hmm. for your class or whatever everything serves the story because the story is we're setting up this heist to steal this chip and then you meet johnny and it's a very contained story that's another thing that's thought it's like the actual story is only like it, it finishes a lot quicker than you'd think but then what they've done is like the opposite of New Vegas and uh, that they've got a really short, small story, but every side quest has major implications on the main story okay. and involves characters from the main story and stuff. Okay. I, I need to go back. I think I, I got it and I played it and I just wasn't into it. And then I got uh Hitman three and Mars Morales. Uh, and I just sort of <laughs> threw myself into those 
slightly easier. I love Spider-Man PS4. Yeah, so that was I haven't played Miles Morales. It's very, very, got PS5, it's very good. Hitman's great as well. Hitman. I have yet to pick up Cyberpunk 2077 just because I'm a PC gamer and I think I like my expectations for it. Um, I only started playing The Witcher series six months ago, so I am well <laughs> behind with CG CD Project Red stuff. But um, because I didn't have high expectations for it when it came out and everyone was like, ah, it's bug, bug to fuck. Then I was just like, well, I'll just wait six months or may- or maybe a yeah. year. I think now it's in a good state. Yeah. It's, I cried multiple times during Cyberpunk. It's okay. got a really good story. It's like really affecting the characters. Lightning are really well developed, yeah. I'd say. I, I mean, have you seen the soundtrack? It's got oh. like Tomb Mold and Converge and The Armed. The soundtrack I've played to death. So I feel like I already yeah. know the soundtrack. But then well. even the original soundtrack, you probably yeah. haven't played that to death. And those originals, they got the guy, Paul Leonard Morgan, who did the soundtrack for Dread in to do uh, music for it. They got uh, their own composers doing amazing songs. like that. The music in the game is everything I hoped it would be. It is. That's the one area where like there is no letdown. I mean, the main story is good. It's, it's a little bit short. But because you wouldn't just rush the main story because there's so much side stuff, so much to explore. Yeah. I think that sort of makes up for that. I think you. I think you've inspired me to go back. I think you've inspired me to go back and and pick this up. Like, mm-hmm. I think I think I was. I, I think like you were saying. I I just I think I was so blown over by the visuals. Yeah. Because they are incredible. I mean, I think I spent like an hour of my time doing the haircut <laughs> in my character. But yeah, I just, I don't think I, I just didn't get swept away with the gameplay. I would say don't go off doing random stuff until you're past the title okay. card coming up, because I feel like that's all set up and then the game starts right. proper. Once you've done the heist, it says Cyberpunk 2077, you're back in the game and you meet Johnny Silverhand and then you're like, okay, now, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, I think I'm like uh, you. I think I was pissing around a lot doing as many little side quests just to yeah. get a feel for the, the the game feel for the characters yeah maybe i was not focused on the, the main story yeah that's what i uh, that was my boyfriend he said like because i was not enjoying it that much he was just he was like just play the main quest until that point and then i did and i was like oh i get it now this i can see like this story is like really gripping these characters and right and then like th- there's this moment with this song uh that is right before the title card it's during this flashback as johnny and and you hear the song coming in, and you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then there's a point where these double doors open, and the song just drops. And it's one of the coolest things I've ever done in a game. It's so good. I really loved all the music in it. It's, it's, it's really good. All the original songs are fantastic. And then a lot of people complained and sort of the, in terms of the choices and saying there's not enough choice. And... Um, I think a lot of that is it's it's a directed game. The story has its missions that it wants you to do, but your choices make more of an impact than you think. But it's the sort of thing where like you say something to someone and then 20 hours later that gets referenced again, or a character doesn't take an action because of something you did 10 hours ago that you completely forgot about, but they're not signposted. You won't know that what you've said has caused this thing to happen unless you go back and replay and seeing different ways things can play out um looking stuff up afterwards it's really impressive it it does a thing like new vegas where you can just fail a quest line and have like a character die off 
and that character isn't in the game anymore mm. and the getting game rights around that wow. i think it, it's just, it's a really well-made game for what it is it just it, another thing like for that is there are some side quests where there's this little story and it's really intriguing and then there's not more and there are removed stuff like there's a max tack who are like basically swat of the cyberpunk world they were going to have their whole own storyline and that got cut and there's so many like extra side storylines that were in there that would have been cut but i think in its current state without knowing those external things you're not going to know there would have been a storyline with this character. There would have mm. been extra stuff. And I'm hoping that I, I I already want to replay it. I played it like two months ago. I spent 150 wow. hours on it. I 100%ed everything I could. And I already want to play it again. Like the, the moment I stopped it, I'm like, I want to do another playthrough. That that was such a lovely world to be in. I mean, lovely as, as much as a dystopian yeah, yeah, cyberpunk yeah. future can be. But like the characters and just being in that world, the music on the radio, the yeah, it, it, and yeah, I, I it, it's it's pretty emotional towards the end. A lot of the stuff, like a lot of your actions that you don't think about, go into the ending. And then there's there's so many fantastic like cinematic references in it as well, like with Matrix, with Dread, with Blade Runner, with like I love all those things. So it, it just feels like a game made for me. Yeah, I mean, they're all awesome sense. as well. Yeah, so yeah. I know it's a yeah, game. I do heartily recommend it. Yeah, I, I kind of, I know it's a game that I probably will love. Um, as I say, I've just been waiting for the, you know, all the, <laughs> all the shit around it to die mm. down. But now that it has, I'm kind of tempted to go in on it. So um, yeah, I'll report mm. back next week. Do. And I was, I will start it and be like, yeah. it was a buggy mess. <laughs> she lied. What a load so of crap. <laughs> Join us in the uh, dank recommendations corner. I don't know why so, it's dank. So dank. We just haven't. Uh, <laughs> we've got a little bit of moss growing on the walls and stuff. Uh, apologies for the absolute mess that this corner is getting. Yeah, I know, I know. We, we don't have the budget at the moment. We will do though. We'll get some sponsors. Too ganky. We'll it's too ganky. <laughs> it's all this um, Matt, what is your recommendation for this week? So this week, I'm going to recommend an album uh, that's. Uh, it's not going to be Pupil Slicer Pupil again, Slicer. is it, right? Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, the latest album from Genghis Tron, uh, which is called Dream Weapon. Dream nice. Weapon. Yeah. Uh, fantastic, man. Yeah. They, uh, I was chatting with them the other day. Oh, I, felt on, very... <laughs> I felt very... Name dropper, Katie. Come on. <laughs> name drop. Yeah. No, I, it, it was, I think it was something like the top four selling mathcore bands uh, or, or stuff under the mathcore tag on of all time on Bandcamp was like us, wow. Genghis Tron, Dreamwell, and for your health maybe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That for your health records. That's so good. Sorry, yeah. But we were talking about Genghis Tron. Yeah, uh, but yeah, <laughs> Genghis Tron. They mess. They, uh, they just retweeted it, and then I was like, oh, I really like your stuff, and they were like, thanks. Yeah. And I was like, Genghis Tron messaged mm. me. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I was a, I was a fan, and you know i love relapse and it kind of for me the record kind of came out of nowhere hmm. and it was the first album for like 12 13 years uh it was a good yeah it was a good decade at up least. the house yeah it was and, well. um, yeah. and it was the first with a new vocalist tony and yeah. uh, i'm just gonna call him tony just just also vocalist tony, in the tony yeah, also vocalist of, yeah, yeah also in the end sort of 
Yeah, sure. sort, sort of. One of one of the possible vocalists of the Armed, uh, yeah. and yeah, their yeah. first ever time with an actual drummer as well. Um, yeah, who I'm just going to call Nick because I I can't say his surname. <laughs> <laughs> Produced by Kurt Ballou. I mean, describing it, I mean, it's kind of like if Baroness and Biffy formed a supergroup and tried to make a Daft Punk Tron original soundtrack inspired <laughs> record whilst also nodding to Trent Reznor grunge and 70s John Carpenter <laughs> soundtracks. It's kind of like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, I'd say um, yeah. It's so good. It's so sharp. It's so precise. The production by Kurt is just it's delirious it feels really when fresh. isn't it well yeah true but it's so <laughs> but just with with all these electronics and there's so much space you know there's moments where it goes hard and there's other parts where there's just so much space and 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 room for you know in certain instruments or certain pieces of production to breathe um and expand um i i read somewhere that someone described it like if Dillinger made an album inspired by Tangerine Dream. That's, yeah. <laughs> Which That's sounds good. sounds cool. I'm not entirely sure if it sounds like that, but it's just, it's mm. it's joint first album, my album of the year so far, along with Martyrs. Uh, and it's just, it's just, just a wonderful the song. record. Just the song Martyrs. <laughs> yeah. 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 You mean uh, Mirrors, you mean sorry. Mirrors. You mean Mirrors. Mirrors, sorry. Martyrs. God. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just—he's such a big such fan. A big fan. <laughs> he's such, such a, fan. a big fan. <laughs> I, I quite there's a, there's a review on our bank account that said a real breath of fresh air for people who forgot what Converge sounds like. <laughs> I mean, Fuck that hell. person would have bought it so they could write a review, and I kind of agree. <laughs> I mean, Bandcamp reviews. I was listening to uh backwash today uh her, yeah. her album on, mm-hmm. on Bandcamp, and you know some of the reviews are very good but in general it seems like Bandcamp reviewers or reviews are way harsher than than, than <laughs> yeah. any other reviews they're yeah. just very sniffy or even just like it's all right it's quite it's quite a good record i suppose i think that just to finish up on the Genghis Tron stuff i think the amazing thing that they managed to do is they took this yeah decade-long break or however mm. long it was and kind of managed to retain their unique Genghis Tron essence uh, whilst at the same time developing their sound. Mm. I mean, it's actually quite different to the first two records in lots of ways. And, you know, usually that's a sign, like, you'll get multiple people be like, oh, I'm really disappointed in the new direction they've taken. Mm. I haven't seen anyone, not one single comment, against the new Genghis Tron album. I I think it's it's more like no one's disappointed with what they've done because what they've done is executed so well the only thing i'll see is people be like i preferred what they were doing then but this is cool mm. yes yeah, it's like as yeah, negative yeah. as it gets so yeah yeah that's a great record um great record um katie i believe you you've got an album for recommendation corner as well my album for recommendation is uh mirrors by <laughs> is it martyrs is it martyrs by people slicer <laughs> that's the song name i know <laughs> <laughs> Huge fan. Um, no, I was gonna. I, I was gonna say Interstice by Null, K N O L L. Okay. Uh, which I don't know how I found them. I think I just saw them on like Twitter or something, uh, posting about it. And then I found out that they're working with our publicist and uh, Steve at Philstatic as well is helping them with the release. But their album is amazing. It, it basically sounds like sort of. I don't want to say full of hell, but better because that's 
two men to fill a panel. Ooh. And I love Phil of Hell, mm. but it's just someone else doing what Phil of Hell does with their own spin on it really, really well. Experimental death grind based out of Memphis. Mm. Yeah, experimental death grind fits it. And it's it's got its like parts that go really hard, really like just grind Corey death metally. It's got like blackened influences and like really dark sounds. The vocals on um, Jamie's voice, the singer, mm. it, like obscene he does like the lowest lows and the highest highs all the guitar work the drumming is i think jamie played the drums on that album as well the vocalist but yeah that's it's it's very good very good they did a roadburn set for roadburn redux and it basically just sounds like the record again they're so tight they're all like 19 years old uh, which makes me feel old. I'm I'm 24, and I'm like we're behind the times now. We're Mirror should have come out five years ago. They're uh, very good. I've heard of them, but I've never actually listened to them. So I'm quite intrigued to listen to this, and I'm gonna make sure I do. I'm definitely listen. Yeah, I'm gonna make sure I do that straight after yeah. this call. But um, yeah, everything you. I mean, even bring it up full of hell. Let alone saying I'm not gonna say they're better than but but even, <laughs> even considering that like full of hella are, yeah. are for me at the top of the game for what they are doing yeah i mean i love full of hell too but like no are really good yeah no i believe <laughs> really you good. i believe you i believe uh, you i'm just saying that is a, that is that's yeah. uh, that's that's and, awesome and their road burn set's really good mm. so i'd recommend that as well um just awesome yeah they're good they're good at what they do is it a debut album do you know have they got it's a debut yeah wow. uh it's a, it's a debut anything they had like some demos out before i think and then they took them off the internet because they basically just re reworked the songs into new songs and then put them on the debut album okay. uh and then working with uh ethan from primitive man and stuff on all the visuals and stuff and they've just been working away and they've got like loads of they've got like two splits on the way in there i, I think they're going to be massive in that sort of scene uh because they, they are experimental they're like doing different things they said they're going to be branching out more they've got like three guitarists but everyone in the band can play guitar and there's seven of them uh, so, seven yeah lordy uh, I think it's the seven. There might be six. There are only six people in Lordy. The heavy metal arcade fire. <laughs> <laughs> the polyphonic scream. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're losing Maybe. us now. That sounds wicked. I'm going to check Very that good. out immediately yeah. after we finish recording this. My recommendation corner, I figured I'd go along with the sort of theme of the main episode. So I'm going... Be precise, <laughs> 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 no, 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 no. Uh, I've recommended that before on another podcast. Um, I I was going to talk about the uh, Batman Arkham series. Now, of course, I'm actually, oh, yeah, I'm actually yeah, I'm actually, and because partly because you mentioned it as well, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to yeah. do that um, because I love the Batman Arkham series games. It's, yeah, there's been a lot of Batman games over the years, and there hasn't. I feel like Night got the same response that Cyberpunk did because that was quite buggy. You know what? But that's exactly it's right. amazing. That's that is it is. You talking about Nier and then Cyberpunk 2077, which made me go, yes, I really want to rep for Arkham Knight. So there were yeah. three games in the series, four if you include or Origins, but let's not include we, Origins. No one includes Let's not include Origins. Origins? Uh, origins. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> so there's Arkham Asylum, which is, takes place in the sort of uh, asylum area, and then it opens up into Arkham City, which is absolutely amazing, far more open world. Arkham Knight was the final game, and it gave you, you know, really, really... Um, uh, 
bigged up quite a lot and it gave you access to the Batmobile or the Tumblr, um, which was just awesome and like going around you know you could drive around the city far more and things like that whereas arkham city was far more of a sort of gliding sim if you will mm. uh more of a batman sim really but you know keep wanting to interject just because i love no no no, no, no. Oh, it's, well. fine. it's <laughs> fine it's fine it's fine no, like, go for it yeah. but you know as you were talking about with near with like the game breaking bugs which i'm doing in inverted commas and stuff like that that they use uh to scare you on arkham asylum and stuff like that the scarecrew sections in all of the games are all brilliant phenomenal yeah yeah like they i think i mean it's got the best batman which is kevin conroy Mm -hmm. it's got the best joker which is mark camel and every other character i feel is like one of the best portrayals of that character like they've nailed the lore and the whole atmosphere of the comics yeah so perfectly it's still got that kind of tongue it's 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 not your nolan batmans but it's not your tim burton batman Mm -hmm. it is comic batman yeah. basically brought to life yeah that mix of like the dark but also kind of light-hearted in a way but still very like moody it's... yeah but you both enjoy the batmobile section because that yeah. for that ruined the game for me i love the series especially the first two but the last one the batmobile was just seemed like a real crowbarred in take away from the gameplay moment in those games and I, I i just didn't get on board with it so i am of the impression that the batmobile bits in arkham knight were the most buggy for people and um again i did the thing of just sitting on my ass waiting like three four yeah, months fine when I yeah it. yeah three four, <laughs> three four months after it came out for pc certainly it had all been fixed and it was fine and it wasn't an issue at all and i kept hearing oh the batmobile bits are awful the batmobile bits are awful the only thing i can assume is those were the bits that were really buggy because i thought they were fantastic i really enjoyed all the batmobile bits yeah. i'd say the tank thing was like That's, yeah. uh, I, could, like I could take or leave the tank but like driving around full speed and then using it in the puzzles like the one where you have to yeah. like winch the batmobile onto the side of a building and drive down that's yeah. so cool yeah i thought they used it really really well and the the riddler clues throughout all the riddler games, in all three games so good it, it like that's almost a game in and onto itself and that brings yeah. the real kind of one thing that um batman games miss a lot is he is the world's greatest detective and the detecting aspects of those three games are probably the most realized and the best in a, yeah. in a batman video game so far yeah thank you so much for your time katie and those brilliant brilliant choices sorry for ranting so no much. don't worry about it it's fine it's <laughs> have it kate davies top three flawed masterpieces in video gaming matt i've always seen you as somewhat of a flawed masterpiece if you don't mind me saying well thank you renfrey it's true one of those words certainly is apt in describing me oh, well we can we can uh we can guess at home as to what that is thank you so much for uh listening this far into the pod if you want to follow us on our socials it is at three magic number pod we're on twitter and instagram at the moment uh only on those two because that's all we can handle because we have a collective age of around 170 and what is a t- what is a twitch and what, what is, is a t- twitch <laughs> what I is a twitch i've no I'm idea sure. i don't understand it at we've been getting some really nice reviews in over uh, itunes and stuff thank you so much for that please keep those coming if you're really enjoying the show and want to help us out it is 
a massively helpful thing for us, especially as a new podcast. Mm. Before we go, we should look at a couple of top threes that people have been sending in. What are we looking at this week, Matt? So this week I twittered, tweeted, I twittered, I tweeted. Uh, a top three it was our first kind of musical top three request you know normally Mm -hmm. you know because we're both in the music industry trying to sort of stay clear of everything based around music so i asked for top three singles or tracks from solo artists that were part of a band I think my mind just did that explosion thing. So, um, uh, for, so okay. So, a solo artist who used to be in a band, yep. their top singles. Yep. Give us an example for. So the lovely Stephen Hill, who I feel like we've probably mentioned about fifty times in this, this, oh, this podcast. That guy uh, has chosen some really good ones. Uh, so he's chosen Lauren Hill, Every Ghetto, Every mm. City, uh, mm. Greg Pacciato, uh, A Pair mm-hmm. of Questions. And Ben Folds, Rocking the Suburbs, which is I mean, just great. Really good. I choice. don't like to praise him, but I have to <laughs> hand it to him. That is a pretty fucking good list. Um, yep. But okay. yes, I'm going to go through some others. So Sam Slate uh, also chose Greg um, and our good friend Jamie Lemon, who is on a future podcast. And Peter Gabriel Sledgehammer, because quite rightly, it is a bango. Nice. Um, Hidden Very Mothers, uh, the band Hidden Mothers. Hello, Joe's mm-hmm. Stevie Nicks, although you spelt it wrong, you spelt slightly wrong which is fine which is fine which is fine uh steven x edge of 17 which is possibly one of the greatest songs of all time uh frank carter juggernaut and frank turner long live the queen oh and then nice selections l- lots and lots of jamie lemon van art smart lanagans uh josh gray has got some great ones nick cave and the bad seas let love in uh Farrow munch mm. simon says simon says get the earth up uh, <laughs> i censored myself then uh, yeah, and, it was uh, very good. I noticed. Yeah. And Gary Newman Metal, uh, which is which is cracking. Chris Cornell, Ginger Wildheart, um, Stephen Wilson, Aussie Crazy Train. Sean Hubbard chooses Aussie Crazy Train. Uh, Chuck Reagan as well. Michael Collins went for Ice Cube. It was a good day, which is a absolute banger of a tune. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend Jake Jake Owens, who's a photographer for Metal Hammer, has chosen Stevie Nicks, Edge of Seventeen. Uh, Isan, Frozen Lakes on Mars, yeah, and Fergie, that video of her singing the national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for that, Jake. You've nailed that. The track that Fergie did with Slash is fucking great. I don't know if that I didn't censor myself there. Sorry. Uh, I I I don't know if that um, counts. Does that count? I don't know if it Who does knows? count or not. Who knows? But. It's our rules, it's our podcast. It counts, my friend. Go for it. Well, that is a a great song. That's all I'm saying. So, So, uh, again, thank you very much to everyone who took part. Uh, As I have said before, every Tuesday we will do a top three Tuesday. And then just during the week, just for shits and giggles, I'll probably just tweet out a couple of other top threes because, hey, I like a top three. (laughs) Hey, hey, you're the top three listicle meister. (laughs) Next week on the show, he's just been mentioned quite a few times in those top threes. Uh, we're going to be... <laughs> so sorry. Matthew Hughes has just sent me a uh, a one-finger salute uh, emoji oh, is that what over it is? WhatsApp. Oh, sorry. I thought, I thought it was a thumbs up. I thought it was a thumbs up. Sorry. my eyes. I'm not wearing my glasses, so I can't see. Uh, so I've been distracted for that link. But let's, let's do that again uh, next week. <laughs> <laughs> on the show will be Jamie Lenman, our good friend who's just been uh, named m- multiple times in that mm. top three that you just read out. Yeah. Uh, that is a <laughs> that 
that that was a really fun chat i really want to reveal what it is but i can't yeah. uh but yeah that is a that is there's some great picks in those thank you so much for listening this far into the podcast uh if you are still listening to this now you win a prize which is our love and affection um until next week we shall bid you adieu